Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Filling the Void with Josie. I'm your host, Josie, and I'm happy to have you in my corner of the world for a little while. This season, we're discussing all things fear. That dreaded beast has become so prevalent in everything we do or don't do. Let's look into how that has shaped the experience of my guests while they were navigating university, and even more so how they face their fears post-grad. Whether it materializes through doubts, insecurities, bad self-talk, you name it, you're not alone. And if we're all experiencing it in some capacity, why not talk about it? Before I continue, however, I wanna thank you for taking the time to listen. You tuning in each week, or binging it all at once, (laughs) Basically, you consuming my content supports the podcast and encourages me. Please go follow the Instagram page at Filling the Void Pod and tap into the conversations we're having there. If you haven't already, help others find the podcast by rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you get your fix. Don't forget, each week this season, I'm gifting a lucky listener who sends me a screenshot of their submitted review with a gift card as a token of appreciation for supporting my podcast. So when you leave a rating and review, take a picture of it and DM it to me at fillingthevoidpod on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, you can email it to fillingthevoidwithjosiepod at gmail.com. That's fillingthevoidwjosiepod at gmail.com. Good luck. Let's get into the episode. I met my guest when I was on a cruise at the top of 2020. Y'all, when I say I'm blessed, (laughs) imagine if I had gotten stuck on that boat because of this Rona. Lord have mercy. Anyways, my guest, Ms. Nora McFadden, is a nonprofit professional in the United States. That's right, south of the border. She's figuring out life day by day, aren't we all? With a Bachelor of Science in Communications and a Master's of Arts in Marriage and Family Counseling, as well as several continuing studies certificates in nonprofit management, she finds pleasure in this crazy world by taking chances and serving the community around her. And for all you non-Americans, she has the cutest Southern accent. Let's get into it. All right, so I am excited once more. Another episode, this is Fill in the Void with Josie, as I mentioned. And we are talking about fear this season. And I'm so excited to introduce this next guest because we met in the middle of the ocean. Okay, let me stop being dramatic. I met Ms. Nora McFadden on a cruise and listen, Baby was out here living her best life. We were on vacation and you you were there with, um, what was your friend's name again? D, Daniel. Daniel, my goodness. Yeah. Listen, the two of y'all were a vibe. I was there with Steven and um, the four of us, we just like hit it off and it was such a great time. <laughs> yep, I crashed his family vacation. Right. That's what it was. That's what oh it was. my goodness. You see, listen, I said she was here for a good time, but hold on. Let me, let me not get too much into it before we actually jump into it. So I'm so excited to introduce Nora um, to the show, but Nora, I want you to introduce yourself because I want you to read your receipts. I want you to let the people know who you are um, and what you've been up to, what you do, 
um yeah take this time to just kind of like clap for yourself go for it I do not do this very often so I'm actually flattered but um as Josie said my name is Nora McFadden I am in my late 20s and I'm a nonprofit executive director in the United States Mm -hmm. I've been doing that going on five years so it's been a very fun and heartwarming nonprofit journey. Um, it's very hard, but um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I commute to work three hours a day. So wow. I travel just to do my job. And no working from home for y'all? No, not at all. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm in the process of closing on my first home and getting married. So yeah, it's a lot going on. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, if we're talking about fear, some of those things that you just mentioned, I'm sure it's just popping it's scary. up. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> but before, before we get into that, I want to start off with a quick icebreaker. So Nora, there's one question that I've been asking my guests throughout this season. Um, and now you're in the hot seat. You ready? Yeah. What was the last thing that scared you? Probably this um, house journey. So as I mentioned, I'm getting married. I'm actually getting married in March. And That's a great month. Mm-hmm. It is a fun month. And my fiance and I are trying to figure it out, see what we like and everything. And mm-hmm. I was actually out of town and I told him, go ahead, go to the showing. And he was like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, just, just whatever see if it works. He was like, I think we're going to like it. So I said, okay, well, if you like it, then I know I will like it. He's more pickier than I am. So it's fine. Okay. That's the house that, um, worked out. I still have it step foot in this home. Wow. But how come you still haven't stepped foot in it? Like I just haven't been able to. Oh my goodness. The person who currently lives in the home he's still there okay so I can't just like walk in my neighbor yeah <laughs> so yeah that's that's probably this most recent scariest thing is buying a home that I've never seen before so <laughs> wow that takes takes a lot of trust in your partner but I mean if you're about to marry um, this person, I'm sure there's a lot of trust already. Just got to make it work. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's really the spirit. That's amazing. Okay. That's great. Let's take a quick break. All right. And we're back. That's so exciting. You are planning on moving into a new home that you haven't stepped foot into yet, but you've seen. Have you seen? No. Wow. Have not there's seen no, it. There's no pictures. <laughs> but when... <laughs> When your fiance went to see it, he didn't take any, or could you not? Well, he probably could have, but the current owner was there at the time and followed him around in like every room. So he said, I just can't do that. Right. That's kind of weird. So yeah. Why would that owner, it's like, give me some space, buddy. Let me, let me make the decision on my own. <laughs> it happens. Okay. So <laughs> getting ready to get a new house, getting um, a new man, <laughs> you know, and did you also get a new pet? Or... I rescued a little dog a couple years ago. Okay. It's, it's been... But I had him. Yeah, I had him when we met. Okay. Okay. So that one, that you're comfortable with that now. But 
I, I wanted to I want to jump into kind of like the details of your story and because this is a podcast that really focuses on people's like education and how they have what they have pursued and how they have continued to kind of choose to learn or to become lifelong learners after let's say um, finishing at a quote-unquote higher education institution I want to dig into that a bit so I'm curious to know what's your education or what's your university story what did you study how did that like all start for you especially because now you mentioned it didn't go over my head you mentioned you are the executive director of a nonprofit in your 20s I only know one other person who who said who can say that that's what she is as well but that's a huge and amazing feat how did that what led to all of that so I will say here in the States, it's college. So when you say university, it completely throws me off. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I actually, let's see. I'm trying to think of when I graduated high school. Um, you know that old door. Come on. Oh, no. <laughs> I just remember being in high school and everyone's trying to figure out their path. And I knew I wanted to go to college, but I didn't know kind of you know, what field I wanted to do. It's a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. when you're, you know, a high school student and you're supposed to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know what I want to do tomorrow. Um, so I kind of just went for it. I, um, decided to go off to school. I was only about two hours away from my hometown. Mm -hmm. Um, I did graduate with about 160 people. So going to a bigger university, so to say, it was very eye-opening and nerve-wracking and super scary. And I chose to have a random roommate because I didn't want to know anyone. I wanted to learn how to navigate that, especially since I'm an only child. So I've never had, I've never had to share. I've never had to do anything. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to just do this. Mm -hmm. So I did. So during my undergrad years, I changed my major three times. I went from pre-med to nursing to communication, which is what I finished with in public relations. Wow. You started off pre-med and then it was like, "Ah, I don't know if we, I don't know if we're continuing. I don't know if we continue this, but you were still interested and hooked on science. So you were like, okay, well let's try nursing. But then that also was just like, okay, it's, it's, it's sciences. I'm not, it's the sciences that's not working. What, what, what was going on through your head in that time? Well, so the program that I was trying to get into, you're only able to get into it once a semester. Okay. Um, and I applied the first time, got rejected, applied the second time, got rejected. And I thought I can't just keep taking other classes as a full-time student you know, and keep getting denied. So I thought, okay, I need an easy way out. So I just picked another major and went with it and did that whole major in a year and still graduated on time. Oh, okay. Um, and then while I was doing that, I took some grad school classes. I was working two part-time jobs. I was just trying to figure it out. Mm. Um, but I did. So I remember my second semester, senior year, my mom called me on the phone and I remember it was like February around Valentine's day. Mm -hmm. She said, Nora, you're graduating in May. What are you going to do? And I was like, you know what? That's a very good question. Um, give me a couple days and I'm going to tell you. Okay. So we hung up the phone and sure enough, I called her in about two days. Wow. And I said, mom, 
I know what I want to be when I grow up. And she goes, oh my gosh, here we go. But hold on, hold on. What, and you're probably about to jump into it. What happened in those two days that brought that clarity? I made, I'm a list person. So I made a list like, Mm -hmm. this is what I want to do. This is what I don't want to do. Let me see if I can find something to match those pieces in between. Okay. So called her you know, amping it up. Like, yes, this is what I want to do. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. She said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, I want to travel. Who oh. doesn't want to travel? Right. And she goes, okay, well, that sounds like fun, but your dad and I aren't going to pay for you to travel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's fine. I'm going to be a flight attendant. Ooh. Okay. She said, no, you're not. Oh. I said, <laughs> yes, I am. She said, there's there's no, that's just, that's crazy. Nora. like, that is absurd. Watch me. So I became a flight attendant. Wow. <laughs> had you heard about like being a, how did you hear about being the possibility of being a flight attendant? How did that come across your understanding? Um, I just basically thought, okay, well they get to travel. I will have a degree in communication. Mm-hmm. I can talk to people. Yeah. And it, I thought it was like, hey, why not give it a shot? So I did. I actually interviewed and I had a job before I graduated. Wow. Um, so that was also a very scary thing, stepping out into the quote unquote real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I literally packed my life into one suitcase and I got sent off to flight attendant school or training um, where I lived in a hotel and ate food that basically came out of a microwave and I did all the trainings and everything necessary until I got um, based into a city. I actually was outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I had to figure that out um, in a new city all by yourself, mm-hmm. you know, 21, 22 years old Wow! with the suitcase. And that's about it. And a whole new career where you're constantly seeing new faces and meeting new people. And it's never the same. It's Mm -hmm. always different. Um, So that didn't last too long. I got very lonely. It was a very lonely and quiet times when I was not working just because when you're flying, Mm -hmm. you're constantly on the go. You're, you know, doing this, doing that, catching this flight, catching that flight, sleeping in this hotel. It was very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I How enjoyed long did you do that for just about a year. Okay. Um, I enjoyed keeping my feet on the ground. A lot of people <laughs> laugh when I say that, but, um, I did let my dreams take flight. I tried, but, um, no, I remember when I was, I was laid over somewhere. I can't remember if it was like in Atlanta, Georgia, But I thought, okay, I need to do something besides watch Netflix for like the next two hours until I catch my next flight to go to work. Mm -hmm. So I enrolled into graduate school online. Oh, okay. Because I thought, you know what? I enjoy learning. I want to do something besides napping and like wasting my time. So I jumped into that. Um, Flying didn't last too long. Like I said, I did it for about a year. I moved back home into the same house with my parents, which was kind of hard being on your own for, you know, however many years through your four years of university Mm -hmm. and then everything. So I still continued school. I just found a little job to kind of get by and figure it out. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then I applied to my current role and they took a chance on someone young and inexperienced mm -hmm. and it's just kind of climbed me up the ladder. So yeah, I finished grad school about a year into my role at the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And since then I have enrolled in several other continuing education courses, um, which is also just, I don't know, it's just a lot of fun. I think learning never stops. I mean, as old as one may get, there's always room to grow in some capacity. Yeah, totally. So. Wow. Okay. You practically took us from beginning to end there. Let's, let's, let's circle back to some of these places because you relived my goodness. So let's, let's take it back to your college days when you're over here, you're doing your degree, you're trying to get into this program that, you know, you thought was going to be your everything, but you're realizing, yeah, maybe, maybe it's time to pivot. What, what are your thoughts that are going through your head at the time when you start realizing that like the thing that you wanted to do is actually not going to be what you're going to be doing? I remember feeling defeated, mm. just kind of like, why, what did I do wrong? You know, was there a certain question on the exam that I should have studied harder on? Mm -hmm. um, should I have made more connections with the professors? Um was my recommendation letter not good enough? Like, mm. did I not select a good person to recommend me type thing? Mm -hmm. um, that really ran through my head. Like, well, and then you sit back and you're like, well, I guess I could have, you know, maybe taking a different course mm. with the same amount of credits that may have kind of helped where I could have gotten a better grade. I know in one of my classes, I got a B and I actually decided to retake it in hopes to get an A because it looks better. Yeah. And I was one point away from an A. So I finished the class again with a B and that Dang. was kind of like, you've got to be kidding That's me. That's devastating because not only um, are you paying tuition, right? You're putting all those resources in it again, only to receive yes. like the same results. It's just like yes. you want to throw things. <laughs> Super frustrating. But mm -hmm. I just remember, you know, when you get denied, it, it is a, I don't know, I don't want to say a fear of failure because that's not a state that I try not to live in because there's always that, you know what, maybe it's just not meant to be. Let me pivot mm -hmm. and try something different. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely just, it, it was hard, especially two semesters in a row. Right. And so once you realize that, okay, this isn't working out, but I can do this comms degree. How did you come to choosing the comms degree? Was there I an actually, there? I actually know. I actually had a friend who did the same thing. She mm. applied to nursing school and also got denied and she applied again and got denied. And she goes, well, I think I'm going to do this. So she started taking these classes and I'm still kind of hanging out, taking some regular gen edge waiting basically. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how many credits do you have to take to get out of here? And she told me, and I said, what do you think of your classes? And she told me, and I thought, I'm going to go meet with your advisor. So I set up a meeting and I laid it all out to the advisor and she gave me her opinion and we decided it's at least worth a shot. So that's what happened. The rest is history. Mm -hmm. And so now you finish with that, you finish with that degree and 
I mean, communication, a communications degree is one of like the broadest degrees you can get out there that can kind of really place you anywhere you want. You know, you can use it to your what advantage. You can, yes. yeah, you can, yes. you can, yeah, do a lot with it. And you chose to go in the air, to go in the skies with it. Did you have, did you have any like fear of um, flying at that point? Or was it just kind of like excitement and exhilaration? Yes, it was definitely an adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. I still love to fly to this day. I still get the best naps on a plane, which is kind of crazy. But um, not you sleeping on the job. (laughs) No, don't say anything. I'd go in the back and shut the curtain, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was just that thought of, you know what, this looks like a glamorous job. I can walk around in high heels and pass out drinks and snacks and you know, chit chat with people, which was fun, but it was very repetitive. And I knew I had more in me. Mm. I knew more about myself. Like, you know what? I need to use what I have learned in school because no offense to a lot of people. I mean, anyone can kind of be a flight attendant Mm -hmm. as long as you have great communication skills and your, you know, your priority is the passenger safety. But I just knew I had more in me than to walk up and down an aisle. Right. So that's when I made that decision to go back to school online. So I was working and going to school online full time for my master's degree. And that's where it panned out where I was like, yeah, this flying thing. Nah, I'm going to just move back home. So what were you studying online? So I have my master's in marriage and family counseling. Mm. So that's very so different still. From- but it still goes hand in hand with my communication. So, right. yes, because thankfully, honestly, like I said, communications is like, it's super it, broad, you know, and it's, it encapsulates a lot of things. Um, it's the foundation, I guess I can say to a lot of things. Um, but you're, you're studying marriage and family counseling full time while working full time. Mm-hmm. How are you balancing that? Honestly, if it wasn't for the school that I chose, because I know with undergrad, you had to take, I don't know what even full-time is now, 12, 18 credits. I don't remember. (laughs) Um, But with the program that I chose, you concentrated on two classes for like a max of five or six weeks. Okay. So, you know, concentrate on a little bit in a short amount of time. So I was taking a full load as a full-time student, but it kind of felt part-time how it was laid out. Okay. And And since it was online, I did a lot, you know, when I could, as long as you meet deadlines. Exactly. I, you were doing online before online was huge. (laughs) (laughs) You know, online, actually you start recognizing the benefits of it when you're somebody like who's on the go, who actually has other responsibilities as well. And it's super accommodating, but then you end up going back home. So now you're living your life post-grad you're trying to navigate it. You're trying to like, like I said, establish yourself, build your own brand career, figure out who you want to be and how you want that to look. But you have to go home for a minute. You have to go and stay with your parents for after having spent some time on your own. And that's like, like you mentioned earlier, that's not always so easy. A lot of butting heads because now we're, we're all adults, right? (laughs) You're the parents, sure. But like, I'm not a child. How did you navigate that particular time in your life when you're like having to 
submit yourself to, I want to say values, um, but to things that you thought that you had moved on from. Respect. Mm. Um, coming back home was kind of like a reminder, like this is my parents' space and area. If I respect them, I know that they're going to give it to me in return, mm-hmm. in which they did. Yeah. So just basically respect, open communication. Um, they knew, you know, I was adult, I was doing whatever, but they're also parents. They're going to worry. So if I go out to dinner and I come home late, like, Hey, just send a quick text. Mm-hmm. We'll be home by this time. Like, you know, a parent is a parent. I'm not one yet, but mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, I want to kick myself sometimes because I know I gave my parents a very, very hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I have responsibility and I mean, I have a dog, which he is my child. Mm-hmm. I think about that. Um, so definitely respect and communication. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think I lived with them two years when I moved back mm-hmm. and, and then I went back on my own. And now I hope I don't have to ever move back home, but if I do, I know the doors are wide open. Yes. But in the area that I grew up in, there's one stoplight in town. So it's oh my. pretty, it's pretty small and everyone knows everyone. Mm-hmm. So it was not so much you could do when you go out, so to say, but right. that's, it wasn't that bad. I love my parents. I'm glad I have a great relationship with them. So mm-hmm. it, it definitely worked out. That's amazing. Well, that's great to hear because I, I know that for a lot of people, especially in this day and age now, actually, People will encourage those who have recently finished university or whatnot, or even if you've been in the workforce for a bit and then you lose your job or you want to pivot, they're like, go stay at home if you can, because it's, it's an amazing, like, it's an immense opportunity and privilege to be able to have kind of like people you can fall back on mm-hmm. um, if, you know, everyone's on good terms and whatnot, because not everyone has that, not everyone has that period. Uh, but now you're in a completely different field. You mentioned that the, this nonprofit is what it was it like the board of directors who took the risk on you because you're the it was, ED. Yeah, it was the board. Okay, um, so the board see, decided to take to think, this risk uh, on you. Yeah, I had a board about 21 people. Oh my goodness, that's a big board. Is it? It is a big board. Okay, yes, it's huge. <laughs> it's gotten smaller since then, but when I got hired, it it was pretty big. And, you know, I, of course, don't really know some of the people that I was applying with, so to say, and interviewing, but Mm -hmm. they decided to take a chance and I hope I proved them right. That's always a wonder in my head, especially when you are the director, you know, at the top, so to say, and Mm -hmm. you want to give those words of encouragement and, you know little things like that to your employees. I don't really get that so much, but I guess since I'm still employed, I guess I'm doing my job. So (laughs) that's what I was going to say. And how long have you been in in this position? I'm going on five years. Uh, I think you may, you may be doing one or two things, things, right? But (laughs) who's to say, but what, what has it been like these last five years um, trying to establish yourself in this particular position, as well as you're still, like you said, you're now in your late 20s right so Mm -hmm. these last five years is you've gone from mid to late you're trying to grow into the woman you're becoming right and that's that's scary that's 
has its own like its own fears um that come up time and time again what has your experience been like I feel like I might can speak for a lot of 20 somethings so Mm. to say um when you enter into the professional workforce you're constantly trying to prove your worth um in my case I was in my early 20s and a young female in the nonprofit world, in the area that I serve, it's a lot of older people, 50s, mm-hmm. 60s. Mm-hmm. So when I walked into a room, you know, for a meeting, all eyes, number one, were on me. But number two, you could just feel the, what is she doing here? The judgment. Or, or who is that? Right. And, you know, when I introduce myself, it's kind of like, are you serious? Like they hired a child, like you can Mm. just feel it. Mm -hmm. And I still feel like that when I walk into some of the rooms that I have to, but I think over the five years ish, I've definitely gained more confidence. Mm -hmm. And I have learned if you are someone to acknowledge people first, you know, in a nice way, like, Hey, how are you? Mm -hmm. They're kind of taken by like, wow, like, this girl will talk to anyone and it's just by being nice. But Mm -hmm. I feel like if you can take charge and at least be friendly, people are going to be more open to get to know you and see what you're worth and what you do for work and how you help others. Mm -hmm. So yeah, starting off, it was, it was scary. It's funny because I hate talking on the phone and I've kind of learned I have to talk on the phone. Like I'd rather send an email Mm -hmm. Um, and that's nerve wracking. I get, you know, kind of anxious sometimes and my words don't come out, but um, how do you deal with that? I try to breathe. (laughs) (laughs) You have to remind yourself, Nor, what are you doing? Breathe, breathe. Take a minute. Sometimes my brain works faster than my tongue does, but it's just kind of like, well, let me just take a minute. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's scary. It's definitely scary, but you have to try because you don't know how far you will actually go until you keep pushing yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've done with education, with my career, everything. You just take one step further. If it knocks you back, okay, we'll find a different route. Wow. That right there, that's a word. You really don't know how far you can go until you keep pushing yourself. I think that's going to help somebody because that is, that is the fear, right? What if, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can do it. And it's like, well, you're never going to know unless, un- until you actually, until you actually do it. And have you noticed that you've won a lot of those people over now? Like the people you would see in those rooms, if you're seeing the same people, have you won them over or has it been kind of like there has been much overlap? I think so, but also think it comes with a comfort thing. Once you see someone so many times over and over again, it's that um, familiar face, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's like, okay, well, then that familiar face turns into a, you know, nice conversation and then Mm -hmm. it gets deeper type thing. And then you create those connections, which are super important. So, yeah, I would say so. Okay. And now I, I will say now, if Mm -hmm. there is someone else new, I'm usually the first person to introduce myself because I used to be in their shoes. And I think that's important to remember. No matter their age, Mm -hmm. because everybody has something that they're like feeling self-conscious about, you know, especially when you're the new person. Mm -hmm. Right. Talk about, talk about fear. My goodness. And just like, I hope they don't. (laughs) 
I hope they accept me. I hope they I hope, like me. <laughs> I hope they like me. <laughs> right. What are, what are some things in your job that like come up that you're just like, man, how do I, how do I make this decision as the person who makes those final decisions? How, how do you do that? And how do you, how are you sure you're making like good or right ones? Working with the general public is very difficult. You're going to get some positive feedback. You're going to get some blowback. You're going to get people who are super nice. And then you're going to get those who do not have a problem telling you what you you need to fix. So you need to fix, but like, you don't (laughs) what they think you do. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) I think the biggest thing for me is probably my roots. And my parents always taught me, you know, go with your heart, but also have common sense. Mm. And now that I'm basically running a business, I have found this business mind that I never knew I had. And that's been super fun. I didn't think I would be into a business side of things, especially when it comes to all the boring stuff like the taxes and all the finances, but it's actually very intriguing. My numbers have to match. It makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. So just kind of doing a little bit of mixing. Of course, I have a policy and procedure booklet like a lot of companies do and organizations, but when I have to make a tough decision, I kind of do it on a case-by-case basis. Um, since I deal with people one-on-one, I which I guess I will say my nonprofit it's with cancer patients and, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's on a different journey, different diagnosis, everything. So I kind of have to break it down to the individual and then see what exactly their needs are and how can I help them meet it, whether it's financial, emotional, educational, or do I need to find another community resource? Mm. So it's kind of like having a roller decks in your head constantly. And it's like, okay, flip, 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 flip. We can try this. It's worked in the past. If someone has another suggestion, I reach out to a mentor. If it's really, really sticky and I have no clue, I will reach out to the board. I do work with um, an executive committee and they are basically like my right hand. So if I don't know, I lay it out. Mm -hmm. And that's what I enjoy because you may get opinions and thoughts on something that you would have never thought of. So that's where I think it's important to create those connections and just communicate because it can just broaden your thoughts completely. Right. And it, it may be beneficial, you know, to the person you're working with or even yourself. Mm-hmm. No, honestly, being able to tap into those networks that you have around you really helps um, enlarge your understanding about something that you were probably too focused on, too detailed in, and you yeah, need some narrowed in on. Totally. Mm-hmm. So what would you say you're scared of as you're navigating life post-grad? Most scared of, I'll have to go back to failure. I don't want to fail myself. Mm. Yes, I have failed, but I've picked myself back up and mm. just tried, you know, a different route or something else. Yeah. And I think that that's you know, probably the case for a lot of people, you don't want to let yourself down. You don't want to let the people that love you down. Mm -hmm. Is it going to happen? Yes, because no one's perfect, but you have to keep trying. And I think that's, what's been my biggest motivation is if I get knocked down, it doesn't stop me. I Mm -hmm. just figure out another way. Mm -hmm. 
And that is self-fulfilling in the end. Like, you know what? I did this. Not the original way, but I did it. Right. So, yeah, that's probably my biggest fear is just failing myself, which, I mean, it's happened, but you can't let it stop you. Right. And I mean, based off of what you just said, I would, I would ask the question, like, have you ever really failed yourself then? If you know that ultimately you just, you want to keep going, I guess the failure would be if you ever stopped, if you ever gave in to the, oh, okay, well, this didn't work and I don't, and I'm not going to pivot. And, but you have been constantly pivoting. You've constantly gotten back up. So the things that didn't work, I personally wouldn't necessarily call that failing yourself. I would just be like, it, it was the redirection that you needed to be able to get to where you are right now. But hindsight's also 2020. And, you know, we also have things that we want in life. And sometimes when we don't get it, we are in our feelings, which is completely okay and valid, right? So yes, I'm the type of person I keep a lot to myself. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I fail maybe to me, but to an outsider, I'm taking another direction just because right. I'm, I'm just that type of person. I, I work and play hard, but a lot of people only see the playing because I like to keep my work, mm-hmm. you know, to me. That's, I don't know. I'm just weird about that. No, I think a lot of people are similar. You know, you want to be able to show not everybody sees the intricate details of it mm-hmm. all. Right. And so it's like, it always seems as if, wow, so polished, so fresh. And it's like, if only you knew this <laughs> takes a lot of work. On that note, then what's one tangible way to be like courageous and audacious in spite of fear that you can share with our listeners? I'll probably have to go with just communication. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone can communicate in some way, shape or form and talking, creating those relationships, just being you mm-hmm. can lead to so much more, but you just have to, you have to try. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think that's, just, it's just, it is what it is. I mm-hmm. mean, trying just being a decent human being and see where it takes you. Right. Put yourself out there mm-hmm. and talk to people. All right. That's amazing. Honestly, and it doesn't happen overnight. If you don't know how to communicate or if you think that's the, what I have in my head is like for those people who think that communicating is like, or networking is something that seems too far out there, or that seems like it's only for a certain type of people. It's like, no, engaging and interacting with other human beings is for everyone. It is. Um, And I'll be honest, when I first started in my career, I thought it was funny. I thought I don't need to, you know, network with people. I don't need to do that. And mm -hmm. then I found myself doing it unintentionally. Mm. Just my being nice, like going to a meeting and say, hey, how are you? And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm good. What do you do? And then that opens up a door. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just being me and I was like okay right. next yeah. thing you know I'm passing out business cards and I'm getting <laughs> business cards and it's like that that was easy yeah okay <laughs> I'm doing it I'm doing it this is what they're talking about <laughs> now it makes sense but I will say I think what got me the most out of fear and facing fear when I moved out on my own like I moved out 
I saved enough money for my parents. And when I moved out, I was by myself. And that's when I rescued my little dog Mm -hmm. because I wanted to face those fears of going out like by myself because I did not go to restaurants. I didn't go shopping. I didn't go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And you know, getting my dog that helped me kind of literally go outside and face people, which sounds a little crazy, but it is a little nerve wracking to be by yourself, but I learned so much about who I am as a person Mm. and just taking those steps of getting out of my comfort zone and having to do things on my own. Cause that's super scary when you're in a new city and you know, no one or nothing how do you figure it out? And that's kind of what I did was I got a dog and he was my outlet to figuring it out. Right. And meeting new people. So from what I understand, it seems as if in terms of like your professional life, I guess I could say, it seems easier for you to just be like, you know, this is what I got to do. I'll figure this out. This is, it, it comes a bit easier to you, but when you have to make those personal moves and personal decisions, that's when it was a bit more like maybe the volume, the volume of fear was a bit louder and kind of kept you, kept you back a bit. That's so fascinating. It's because that's, that's true for some people. It's like professionally, I got this. I know like, and even if I don't, I do because I'll figure it out. But then personally on my own time, ah, I don't really need to like, I don't really need to try, but, but you realize that you, you did and you needed just that extra help or extra support that looked like a, a furry friend. That led you yeah. to human friends. <laughs> exactly. My goodness. So how, how did you, how was that time? Like reaching out, adopting your, what's your dog's name? His name is Odie. Odie? Mm-hmm. Odie. Yep. Adopting Odie. Odie. And then him being able to kind of bridge that gap between like you and other people. Is that how you met your fiance? No, we actually met through mutual friends. Okay. Imagine if Odie was like the connector there. He honestly probably could have. It's actually kind of funny because Odie, so he's a a rescue, but he's a Chihuahua Beagle Jack Russell mix who is full of energy. (laughs) And it's kind of funny because I would go to the shelter on my lunch breaks as kind of an outlet, like, Oh, let me see what's out there. And I didn't think I would ever be like, oh my gosh, I really like this dog, but that's what happened. <laughs> so I remember I went to the shelter several times, just like a day here. And then I would think about it and then a day and go back and he was still there. And I was like, why is this dog still here? Like, that's kind of sad. And finally I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So I did it. And I mean, if it wasn't for him, I would probably go to work, do my job, come home and not step outside of the apartment that I was living in. But because I had a dog, I had to take him out. I had to take him on walks. I mean, we were walking five, six miles a day, saying hi to every person who walked by us, going to the dog park, Mm -hmm. him interacting and making friends, me meeting these dog parents. And it's so funny because I don't know the people's names that well, but I knew their dogs Mm -hmm. and it was like, Oh, well, you're Zeus's mom. And it's like, yeah, you're Odie's. And it's like, Oh, well, my name's Nora. I probably won't remember your name tomorrow, but I know who your dog is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if if it really wasn't for the dog, I personally 
wouldn't have gotten out of my comfort zone. I mean, him and I would go to restaurants and eat outside and we would just walk all over the place. And that was very life-changing for me Mm. because of him. I had to learn kind of how to interact with people in a city that I've never lived in before. Mm. So that was kind of fun. And because he's a ball of energy, I couldn't avoid anyone at all because he's like, ooh, people, ooh, 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 ooh. And it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, let's just keep walking. But he just never let that happen. So that's so beautiful. Honestly, animals are so special. When I hear stories like this, I understand why they say dogs are like man's best friend because they kind of just, they keep that energy up and they just help you get out. I relate a lot to you pre-OD because <laughs> I'm like here I'm living on my own and it's so easy for me to just like be in my room and not go out like not do really much of anything so I really have to like push myself to find things to do in this I live in a city like there are things to do even in a pandemic you know and um, I think another part of it is is kind of our our age, like you have some people, I know when I started off um, in my career, some of my friends were getting married and having kids and Mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't ready for that. Like Mm -hmm. I, that just wasn't part of my plan. I Mm -hmm. wanted to figure out more about me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in a city, it's hard to connect because you don't want to meet them at a bar. You don't want to meet them at the gym. Mm -hmm. Where do you go? Like, where do you meet genuine people? Mm -hmm soberly because I think that's important that's how you actually meet a person mm-hmm. at our age you know I just it was it was difficult and if it wasn't for the dog I really have no idea oh uh, don't tell me that what am I supposed to do now <laughs> <laughs> you can get a pet <laughs> they're really sweet <laughs> <laughs> and listen I from what I've read like the pandemic really kind of boosted adoption rates because everybody's just realizing man, I don't want to be alone. And a lot of people were so lonely and a lot of pets needed to be adopted. It really just worked out. But um, I don't know, for me, it's like, I'm still trying to figure out what my thing's going to be because it can't be this. I can't keep just (laughs) staying. You can start off with the fish. A fish? Yeah, like a goldfish. With an aquarium (laughs) and feeding them. If I'm going to commit, I'm going to commit. You're going all in. Yeah, right? Let Let me get a rabbit. (laughs) <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. If anything, there's so I'm in Toronto now, and um, I'm noticing Toronto is dog central. Oh, yes. Like when I first got here, I was just like, oh my, every everyone and the grandma has a dog here of all sizes, shapes, colors. Some even have two. Right. And I'm just like, <laughs> my goodness, like, is it because y'all just really like dogs or what? And I'm realizing like what you said, having specifically a dog or a pet that you can walk allows or facilitates the socializing because then you go to the park. And when I would walk by the park a few times, I would actually leave my house. <laughs> I would see people just like they don't know each other, but their dogs are like, hey, what yeah. you doing? Exactly. <laughs> right? And you just start talking. I will say um, in the city that I lived in, they were really big um, with their local parks and rec. They had a lot Mm. of dodgeball and slow pitch softball and everything. So it was a lot of community members joining in on these 
I say random teams because if you don't know anyone, you don't know anyone, but that's Mm -hmm. another way to get out and meet people. And I'm sure every, you know, locality probably has something along those lines if that's something that you're into, but I don't know, frequent local coffee shops and just be nice to the, you know, workers and see what happens. I, I did that. The dog was a winner for me. So, <laughs> right. It's kind of like a baby, eh? Like mm-hmm. when you walk out with a baby and people are like, oh my goodness. Let me see your baby. Exactly. Right. Parents probably hate that now in this time <laughs> where we're like six feet, six feet, please at all times. But we're all adapting. We're learning. But we're learning how to live with each other and live with these with, within our reality. Yeah, no, I totally hear what you're saying. And I'm so glad OD did that for y'all, for you. And just kind of how you were able to, I don't want to say like turn, did you say turn your life around? What? I want to use the words that you used. No, I I would say, I don't even know what I said, but I would say OD definitely helped me navigate me as a person to the point where I am today. I mean, he Mm. definitely made me get out of my comfort zone and, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to learn. Yeah. You learn it and you're in a whole new city. Yeah. Constantly learning. Um, it never stops. Right. Doing this. And and that's the whole point of this podcast, right? Realizing that whether you're in school, out of school, went to school, didn't go. The more important thing is the fact that learning is continuing, continuous and is happening all the time, everywhere in so many different ways. If, if you want it to be, so you can learn to really navigate life with fear, overcome, face the fears that you're battling and overcome them no matter how many times they kind of they try to show their face you know what I mean yeah well Nora that brings us to the end of this episode unless you've got some final words you want to you want to say or share I guess my final words don't stop trying Mm. always take that step even if it's a stepping stone even if it goes in the direction that you don't want it to go in you just gotta keep going because you never know you never know. There you go. That's right. There is words straight from Nora McFadden. Listen, executive director of a nonprofit at the young, young age of 20 something. And you know, she knows what she's talking about because she's killing it in her professional career and in her personal life. Nora, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me and sharing a bit of your story for my audience. Really, really appreciate it. And um, hope to talk soon. <laughs> And now it's time for new words of wisdom from our mom. Get us together, Agatha. Once again, part of this will be in French. Enjoy. La peur est la chambre noire où le négatif se développe. Peut-être interprété comme la peur est une émotion qui laisse l'adrénaline, le manque de contrôle, le manque de réflexion parler. Ça dit ici, il y a absence de réflexion. C'est un vatou. C'est un peu comme ça que je peux interpréter. Ici, la peur et, et la chambre noire où le négatif se développe. C'est l'adrénaline qui prend le dessus. Il y a un manque de contrôle de soi. Il y a un manque de réflexion. Fear is the dark room in which the negatives develop. This one hits close to home as a photographer myself. (laughs) To a photographer, a dark room is used to process film. It's made completely dark to allow the processing 
or development of light-sensitive photographic materials. So my question is, what are you letting develop in your darkroom? Are you taking enough time to sit and reflect and allow for positive or beneficial things to come forth as a result of that moment of pause? You see, if a photographer using a darkroom exposes that image to the elements before the image has fully developed, the image will be ruined. So how have you let fear ruin your ideas, your hopes, your self-image? You've been on the wrong side of the darkroom for far too long. Yes, if you stew in your fear, it will produce negative images as a result. That is what you took the time to develop. And mind you, Developing something in a dark room takes patience. So what are you going to be patient for? Something that will only bring you more harm? Or something beautiful that you'll be thankful you waited for? The other side of this dark room is an image of someone dedicated to taking the time and providing the care that your thoughts, ideas, and dreams need in order to develop. And then eventually bringing them out into the light to be shared and appreciated by all. That's a wrap on this episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you find ways to exercise courage this week. Don't forget to leave a rating and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You may just be the lucky winner for the week. Simply take a picture of your review and send it to me via DMs or to my email. While you're at it, follow the podcast on Instagram at fillingthevoidpod. The conversation continues there. If you got this far, share the episode with one person who has a pet that they are thankful for. <laughs> Let them know we're filling the void with Josie. Have a good one, y'all. <laughs>